Hello, and welcome to this first episode of the Hockey Podcast. This is a Blackhawks fan podcast ran by Hawks fans for Hawks fans. My name is Tyler, I am your host, and I am joined by my three co-hosts. First co-host is a man that you will probably know if you've been on Twitter at any point. He runs the Chicago Prospects Twitter account for everyone to follow and everyone to enjoy so we can all keep up with what's going on with their prospects. Wally, how's it going? It's going good. Um, the Blackhawks are going to make the Bears look good this year. I certainly hope that's not the case because the Bears have been their own level of interesting. But regardless, moving on to our second co-host, another guy who you will know if you've been around the Hawks uh, sphere over the years. He runs the YouTube channel Windy City Hockey. Hockey spelled the same way as our podcast, H-A-W-K-E-Y. Nick, how's it going today, Nick? Doing all right. Hopefully we don't need any bad mojo with how bad this team's going to be. I certainly hope not. And our third co-host, who you'll be seeing uh, just as much as, as the rest of everyone else here, is John. John, not exactly... Uh, does anything crazy when it comes to social media, but he does work for the Rockford Icehogs. So, another interesting perspective there. How's it going today, John? Uh, good. Uh, Kyle Davidson's the best GM ever. I appreciate the optimism. Anyways, this is the Hockey Podcast, and we are going to be discussing all things Blackhawks here once a week for about an hour or so. And we'll be recapping the games that just happened, any moves that occurred, anything to discuss, like anything around the organization, anything inside the organization, anything with the Rockford team, any of the prospects, how they are going. All of us follow the prospects, especially the Rockford Icehogs really well, so we will be covering more than just the Chicago Blackhawks, especially in a year like this, where we might run out of exciting things to discuss with the Blackhawks as an NHL team. Moving forward to discussing things that are not as exciting with the NHL team, let's look at our offseason, shall we? First thing I want to say is that over the offseason, the Blackhawks made a couple of really uh, massive trades, three big deals on the day of the draft. The Blackhawks entered draft day with zero first-round picks, and they left draft day with three first-round picks because of three different trades. The first trade was they traded away star winger Alex DeBrinkett to the Ottawa Senators for a package including the seventh overall pick, a second, and a third. Then they traded away Kirby Dock to the Montreal Canadiens for a package including the 13th overall pick as well as a third. And then they traded for Peter Morazic, eating his contract from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And in that move, they acquired a late first. They traded away their early second. So they moved up about 10 spots in the draft or so, and they acquired a contract in Peter Morazic for doing so. Those are the three trades that happened on draft day. I'll start with Wally. What were your thoughts about some of those moves? Well, of course, the Debrinket one is... I wasn't a fan of it personally. Um, I mean, you trade a surefire star for something that might be as good, but you're probably not going to get the same um, value um, as a DeBrinket. Um, the Doc trade I really liked. Um, we got Frank Nazar out of that, and I think we also got a third. 
I don't know if that was a future third or if that was um, this year as well. Um, and we, like I said, we got Nazar out of that, so that was I like that trade. Um, and the Morazic trade, I think, was fine. It was okay. Um, we got Sam Renzel, and I like that pick because it's if you have three first round picks, you can take a swing for upside, and that guy certainly has it. So, yeah, certainly. Um, anything else there, uh, Nick? John, any thoughts involving uh, any of those three trades that we saw so far, or at least the three that we saw on draft day? I'm really surprised we got that much value for Doc when he hasn't been that good. Um, he had like what 26? He had 26 points in 70 games last year. Um, definitely has potential, but he hasn't shown it yet. So I'm surprised that we got a 13th pick and the 66th pick, which turned into. Uh, that pick, that pick ended up turning into Gavin Hayes, who the Blackhawks Oh, yeah, the took. Gavin Hayes pick. Um, but, yeah, to add on to what Wally said about the Debrinket trade, I agree with him. It was a weak trade, in my opinion. I get it. They ended up taking a great defenseman with that seventh overall pick in Kevin Korczynski. But the thing is, you're trading away a bona fide 40-goal scorer, and it's a tough position to get you don't get those off trees they are ones you want to have in your system anytime you have a chance if you have a 40 goal scorer you're going to have a helpful you key piece for your offense but the way the hawks are doing it they're clearly trying to tank and what they did they managed to draft a, a great defenseman in that seventh overall pick yeah, I understand that point, and I've felt that way over the last um, over these last couple months. I was definitely disappointed at the time that that um, trade happened, but I've been thinking about it over the last uh, couple of weeks. So, and maybe it's maybe it's coping, maybe it's uh, overreacting to how impressive Korczynski's been this preseason. But I did want to ask each of you a question: If you could trade Alex DeBrinket and all you could acquire was a singular draft pick. You had to trade to Brinkett, and all you were able to acquire back was a singular draft pick. What do you think that his value would be? What pick would be that value? Ooh. I would have to... I will have to probably go with the first overall pick on that part. Okay. Um, Wally, any thoughts there? Um, I would... If I'm going fair value for both teams, I'd probably say like third or fourth overall. Um, from a fan perspective, definitely he would want first overall, but I don't think that's super realistic, so I'm going to say third or fourth overall. That was around my thought as well. I was thinking, like, if you can get the third overall pick straight up for Alex DeBrinkett, I think that both teams would be happy with that situation. Obviously, some draft classes are stronger than others and weaker than others, but that was kind of my perspective there. But the reason I asked that question is because... I wanted to gauge your thoughts on that situation because I think that when you look at getting a seventh overall pick and then comparing that to a third overall pick for something around like the third, second, fourth pick, which is like what we view as similar to a fair to break it value, how different really is that versus getting a seventh along with also getting another second and a third round pick? interesting thought what do you guys think about that for me it kind of depends on how much i guess faith you have in your um, scouting and development 
Um, for the Blackhawks, they haven't been very good at that in the past few years, but it is a new regime. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question, though, but I'd probably still say, like, if you can get, like, the third overall pick, I would probably still take that over, what, the seventh, a relatively high second, and the third in, what, two, three years, I think it was, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that third round pick was next year, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Yeah, it was 2023 third. And then they also used that second this year. I believe so. I think it was Ludwinski, wasn't it? It was Ludwinski. Yeah, so they got, and it was it was a pretty early second as well, because it was the second, it was the seventh pick of the second round. So, obviously, uh, it's just a, a thought there. I still think that, regardless of the value conversation, I wouldn't have wanted to break it traded regardless, but if your goal is to move forward with players that like you're just starting fresh with a whole new group, then I understand that point of view, I guess, is going to be difficult to watch the Blackhawks for the next two-ish years, though, because of those moves. But the hope is that in the end, that can become good. I did want to also point out one note um, before we move on from this topic. Um, I was looking at some data, uh, looking at some data that I found, and uh, what I noticed is that over the last like uh, over the last like seven years, there have been about 50, 51, 40 goal seasons between 2015-16 and 2021-22. 30 of those seasons came from players who were at one point top 10 picks. You know, a lot of those guys were first overall, but there were some guys who were later in that round, like I think Mika Zibanejad was a sixth overall pick, Matthew Shane a third overall pick. There are guys who were taken later in uh, the top 10. So I'm just saying that the majority of time when you can get a play, when you can get a top 10 pick, you're putting yourself in the best position to get a star player, especially someone like DeBrinket. Now, is it necessarily great that you got took a guy in the second round and then you traded him away so soon? No, but drafting to bring it at that position is great. Would I rather have him? Yeah, but I think that getting a top 10 pick for him puts you in a position to get a player of his talent in the end. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from there. So I do want to discuss... Um, the Kirby Doctrine as well, because we've gone through the uh, DeBrinket thing, and most of us are more negative and more pessimistic about that than positive about it. But it seems like most of us have a pretty positive opinion of the Kirby Doctrine. Um, what seems to be the reasoning for that? I think it's Frank Nazer, frankly, because, um, now, no pun intended, but. <laughs> I did not mean that, but I honestly think it's Frank Nazer. Some people were projecting him to even go in the top 10 in the draft, and when he dropped down to 13th and the Hawks were able to draft him, they managed to come out like bandits with having Korczynski at 7th and then Frank Nazer at 13th overall. The Islanders traded away their 13th pick to acquire Romanov from the Habs and the Habs traded the 13th pick for Kirby Dock. Turns into a three-way trade basically, but I think the Hawks managed to do a smart move by getting a young scoring wing. Is he a winger slash centerman? 
I can't remember. He can, he can play both. He's, okay. Yeah. Center, yeah. Wing, yeah. Down in Michigan, he play. He's playing for Michigan, and he's going to be viewed as a probably a replacement to Alex to bring it. Mm-hmm. And that would be that would certainly be the hope. I don't know if we want to put those expectations on him right away, but getting that talent with that draft pick considering that what you gave up is probably a guy that Hawks fans were lower on at this point than the general consensus outside of Chicago. I think that it was really smart business there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. It just seems like he it seems like Kirby Doc wasn't really going anywhere with the Blackhawks, and I think it was a good deal um, for him and for the Blackhawks. Um, I'm not going to speak on the other two teams because... I don't know as much about them, but I think at least for the Blackhawks and Kirby Doc, it was probably a good a good deal for both parties. So, yeah, I think so as well. Um, interesting thing, obviously, is that they traded away of uh, the um, the Habs traded away a first and a third, uh, which is the exact same uh, value that would be in a compensation for certain offer sheets. And we all know this is a team that lost Kotkaniemi to an offer sheet, who was another former third overall pick that was like, you know, supposed to be the center of the future, uh, one of like the first line center of the future. I'm assuming that they're hoping that Kirby Doc can grow into that, but we'll have to wait and see. There, I'm rooting for the guy. I want him to be to do well because I thought I always. I mean, he's he's just he's he's a good guy, but I just think that if he was. The longer he was here, the, the more and more his potential dropped. Definitely. It seems like in preseason with the Habs, he's been playing pretty well for Montreal as well. That's good for him. Absolutely. And then the third move they made that night was they traded away a second. They acquired a late first, took Sam Renzel with that pick, and they didn't give up any other assets. All they did was acquire the contract and the player, Peter Morazic. Now, Peter Morazic is our starting goalie. Well, Peter Morazic has had a very complicated career up to this point. Uh, anyone want to add anything on the topic of Morazic um, so far? Because his career has been a roller coaster to say the least. Morazic's had a rocky career from being from starting in Detroit, going to, I believe, also the. F- Flyers, if I'm not mistaken, then Carolina, then in Toronto. He's had a rocky career where he was moved around quite a bit and he's dealt with so many injuries over his career as well. The Hawks bringing him in, yes, it's they get a goalie for this bad team that's going to be on ice, but the factor that Mrazek is now going to have that chance to be a number one guy, even though he probably shouldn't be at this point in his NHL career, he's going to be there just to stand pack for a poorly played offense and defense up front of him. Anytime you can acquire a young player, which we did with uh, Rizal, and then like a contract in return i think you take it especially when you're rebuilding and you we're gonna be really bad it's fine he's basically the jose theodore when the hawks were bad in the early 2000s at this point yeah and he's he's a placeholder and that's totally fine i mean and you know the thing is the leafs are cap strapped they needed to trade morazic they needed to get rid of him is it weird that they then went and traded for matt murray yes 
but beyond that, they needed to move off of his money. We needed to acquire some money. And he only has two years left. He does only have two years left, and we also needed to bring in someone to play for our hockey team, because sometimes that gets forgotten. We still have a hockey team. We might be in a rebuild, but there is still an NHL team that we need to put players on. And yes. we needed a starting goalie. And what's the consensus on how good the the kid we drafted it? Uh, Sam Renzel? Uh, I'd actually have to head over to Wally to talk a little bit about this one. Yeah, he's, he's very raw. Um, he spent a lot of last year playing uh, high school hockey. Um, like I said, very raw, but his potential is through the roof. Um, very good skater. I think he's 6'4", um, good with the puck. Um, he just needs to keep developing, but if he hits, I think he could be a nice number three. Um, but there's also a chance that he doesn't even make the NHL. He's just that much. He's a project, but with three first-round picks, I think it's one worth taking. So It does seem to fit what the Hawks were going for. High, high, um, high upside. Um, offensive skill that seems similar to what they did with their other picks like Korchinski and like Nazer. Those guys are dynamic and they're also rather, especially with Korchinski, he's rather tall too and we have a lot of tall defensemen. You said Sam Wenzel's 6'4"? Yep, 6'4". Along with that, Korchinski, he might only be 6'2", but he looks taller than that on skates. So the Hawks are going to have a very tall blue line for the next uh, 10 years. Paige Harding? Let's not go there. <laughs> um, but then beyond that there were a couple moves after the uh, draft day happened where the Hawks made some interesting decisions uh, moving out a couple of players they didn't extend a qualifying offer to either Dylan Strom or Dominic Kubelik Kubelik ended up heading to the uh, Detroit Red Wings similar situation with Pia Suter Kofkoff and then um, Dylan Strom is now with the Washington Capitals. Both of them got pretty significant uh, contracts there. Not all that different from what their uh, qualifying offers would have been in Chicago. So it's the kind of move that you look at and you're like, if the team was trying to contend, would they have gotten rid of them? Kubelik? Maybe. Strom? Probably not, considering how their last years have been. But those were the two they got rid of. And then in terms of players they actually brought in and signed, uh, they brought in Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiu on one-year contracts. Those guys are probably looking to be, like, deadline tradeaways, hoping that they can have good seasons. Both of them have had, like, stunted development despite having a lot of potential and a lot of uh, being seen as guys with a lot of promise over the years. And then a couple other guys that they ended up bringing in they acquired uh, Jack Johnson as a free agent. They signed Alex Stalock as a free agent. And then uh, they also signed um, Colin Blackwell. And then there was a couple other uh, free agents they brought in as well. So it was a very quiet offseason for the Blackhawks in terms of additions. But it was a very loud offseason in terms of subtractions. You forgot to mention the one they were celebrating a lot about. Buddy Robinson. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't forget. I, I, did not, I did not forget the signing of Buddy Robinson. <laughs> but um, what are your thoughts on, you know, letting Strom and Kubelik go, uh, and then specifically those like-for-like -like, uh, acquisitions of guys like Max Domi and then Athens I like 
the addition of uh, AA. Um, he's like fast. He can score. He can. He'll give you like probably like 20 goals a year. Probably. He's probably good for that. Domi is an interesting one because him, him and uh, Matt, uh, not Matt Murray, uh, Murphy have beef. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up. Oh yes. But all in all, they're good. They're good additions, and they'll probably be traded at the deadline if they play well enough, which they probably. Here's will. one thing though to mention: Murphy and Domi were both prospects with the um, Arizona Coyotes and their system, and they actually apparently were good friends. And when that happened, it was they were joking about it the next day or so. Or apparently, that's what Domi and uh, Murphy were saying. <laughs> yeah, that was. That that moment, that that game when that happened, where Domi just like Domi, he just went he went absolutely nuts on Connor Murphy and like tried to fight him, even though Murphy was not he did he declined the fight, then he just kept punching him anyways. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in hockey. <laughs> I still I still think back it like I love the fact that it happened. It sucked for Murphy at the time, but I love the fact that I saw that happen because it was so funny. <laughs> Um, I don't like getting rid of Strom. I can get Kubelik, get, getting rid of Kubelik, because he's been struggling, but I feel like Strom played decently well when he got to play, because he was sabotaged, in my opinion, under a certain head coach. I will not disagree with that at all. I think that that's a very fair point. 100%. Strom was pretty much blacklisted by... Jeremy Colleton, and we know how bad of a head coach Colleton was being when he was with the Hawks organization. Now he's Vancouver's problem. There was some good times, there was some bad times, there were certainly more uh, rough times, and you know, Jeremy Colleton does have a play-in series victory, so at least he can say that. Not many coaches can say they won a play-in series in the bowl against Connor McDavid. As the, as the 12th seed, I think they were. Yeah, they, right. were like, they, were like, they were like the last team to make the playoffs, and then they ended up upsetting the, the Oilers, which was a really fun thing to just see happen, regardless. Indeed it was. Yeah, um, but beyond that, uh, since we are speaking about Jeremy Carlton, let's look at uh, some of the new guys that we have in our coaching staff. So the new head coach of the Blackhawks is Luke Richardson. Um, Derek King, who was our um, Ice Hogs head coach for a while, um, and then he was the interim head coach with the Hawks uh, last year. He has stayed as an assistant coach with the Blackhawks. And then Andrew Sorensen, who was promoted to the Ice Hogs uh, head coach position, after Derek King took the Hawks head coach position, has stayed as Rockford head coach. Um, what are your thoughts on all of those moves? I was really happy to get Luke Richardson as the head coach. Um, he was originally not on top of my watch list for head coaches, but when I figured the Hawks are going into a rebuild, they're going to need a head coach they're willing to have a long leash on and go through a rebuild like this, I think it was smart to bring in Luke Richardson. He could be there after the rebuild is over. He got, if you think about it, Richardson was the one who helped get the Montreal Canadiens get to the cup final just uh, two years ago. And with how things went, Richardson's a good head coach. We'll see how, well, we don't know how he is as a head coach full time. He should be a good head coach prospect through 
throughout this entire process of this rebuild, bringing in, um, keeping in Derek King, Mr. Walter White behind the bench is actually somewhat interesting because, uh, it seemed like the players enjoyed having him behind the bench during, um, after firing of Jeremy Colleton. Um, yeah, and I think that some of the things that we've heard about what how the players view Richardson at this point um, has been really positive. They say he's been extremely active in in practice, and they say that, you know, he's just been a really good guy to listen to, a really good guy to learn from. Um, obviously, we'll discuss the preseason later, but the results from the preseason so far haven't necessarily and great but i think that you know taking it it will take time to get his system to adapt and i also think that it's important to note that the players who are on the ice right now aren't necessarily who they've brought luke richardson in for he's more of a long-term project and i think that the hope is that he is a long-term project because this team that they have right now is not necessarily the team that richardson will be winning with and i think everyone knows that um, I I do like the hiring of Luke Richardson, but I want to talk more about Sorensen. I do not like him being brought back. I'm no coaching expert. Um, I'm just a bystander watching, but it seems like his system's not very good because we get the Rockford Ice Hogs give up a lot of shots and a lot lot of uh high end scoring chances in front of the net. And thankfully, we have Soderblom to stop most of those shots. I will say part of that is because they were playing the old Hawks defensive system, which was, I believe, Jeremy Colleton's system. Um, so that's that's probably why. They were also, uh, I think it's partially due to their younger team last year, but hopefully they should be good this year with some of the veterans they brought in. That context doesn't matter. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I will also say that... Um... As someone who didn't pay the most aggressive amount of attention to Rockford, it did always feel like there was more problems with the quality of the team during the Derek King years than it was during the Anders Sorensen time last year. I always felt like after Anders Sorensen took over, the team kind of improved in terms of their play. That's how it felt like for me. It didn't seem like the team was doing much under Derek King. That's why it always felt weird that they ever promoted him to interim head coach because it just didn't seem like he was it never seemed like he was good enough because he was never doing well with Rockford and we saw with Jeremy Carlton he did great with Rockford and yet that didn't matter when it got up to the NHL they should have just kept Carlton in the NHL in my opinion he's doing really well yeah but that's like four years too late <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying I'm just simply putting it out there yeah but um the hope is that, you know, the coaching staff that we have now will be better going forward. Um, we also have a couple other uh, notes that I want to discuss. The um, first one is uh, captains. Um, not going to be too dissimilar from previous years. Um, obviously, your captains, Jonathan Taves. Your first alternate is um, Patrick Kane. And then you have split alternates for the second one. Uh, Seth Jones is the second alternate for home games, and then Connor Murphy will be taking it for away games. Um, I'm assuming that I will have a different opinion on this than some of you, so what are your thoughts first? Um, anyone? None of this is surprising. The only thing I don't really get is the whole, uh, like, you're captain for home games, but you're a captain for away games. I don't really get that, but it's just me, personally. 
I'm personally, I'm personally fine with it. I don't think it's too big of a deal. Um, and I think it is important to ask Seth to be a more, uh, take a bigger role in the locker room this year since he is more familiar with the team. Um, and they're probably going to need some people with experience to get them through the tough times they're going to be facing this year. So. Yeah, and it's not exactly like Seth Jones has only played on contenders his career. He's been on bad teams before, and there are guys who are going to be coming up and down through the NHL and the AHL, going between Rockford and between the Hawks, and there is definitely going to be need the need for experience and veteran leadership that's going to be on the NHL roster when those guys come up and hopefully allow them to succeed in their little um, stints on and off in the NHL because the hope is that most of your top prospects who are currently in the AHL will get time in the NHL. The captain's thing is pretty much why I expected from the beginning and I think it makes sense where you were going with the Tyler. Yeah. Um I honestly thought that there would be more um anti Seth Jones discussion on this, but I guess not. I mean, he's not a bad player. I just don't like the contract. Or I feel like a lot of people don't like the I think contract. there's maybe more anti-Seth Jones discourse outside of the realm of the four of us versus, you know, uh, versus actually, like, the way that we view Seth Jones. I think most of us are not as negative about Seth Jones as some segments of the Hawks fan base. Yeah. I can. Or analytics Twitter. <laughs> okay, can I, now, can I now discuss that then? Okay, now I think I have to discuss that. Um, Seth Jones did not have bad analytics last year. Um, Anyone who says so is lying to you. Seth Jones actually had very good analytics last year. His eye test was significantly worse. Definitely. Yeah. That does frustrate me a little bit. Just a little bit of a pet peeve for me when people say... When people now still bring up the analytics because Seth Jones had very good analytics last year compared to the previous year where despite getting a lot of praise from most of what people saw from him, his analytics were awful. But last year was a different story. One more piece of news that has come out over the last like couple of days because the Hawks made a trade just a couple of days ago and it was a pretty important one actually. Blackhawks traded away Riley Stillman and they acquired uh, Jason Dickinson and a second round pick in 2024 from the Vancouver Canucks. This is a move that I think everyone has been waiting to discuss, so I will start by just saying that I think that this is an incredible decision, and I will hand it over to Nick to start. Okay, well, I would have to say this was a win by Kyle Davidson on this trade. This is a player in uh, Riley Stillman we traded off by the fact that he was not working out in the Blackhawks organization since coming in under the old regime. Davidson clearly has no loyalty to the old regime's players that were taken. And, well, Stillman getting moved to Vancouver, getting already said by the GM in Vancouver that Stillman can be a good third-paired defenseman. Uh, it was just a bad trade for Vancouver's part because they gave up a second round pick in 2024 to the Chicago Blackhawks. The Hawks, yeah, it's a second round pick. They could easily package that trade into a trade to move up in that draft if they wanted to. By the fact that this trade happened, it's a good deal for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. John? Um, so it's a common 
Kyle Davidson's voice. I know he messed up the Debrinket trade, but that doesn't matter. That's his only loss. Um, this trade is amazing. I don't, I, I don't get it for Vancouver's perspective. I think they save like what, one point three million dollars, and yes. caps and like actual cap, not not real money, which was an argument on Twitter, which was absolutely ridiculous. This is not baseball. This is hockey, where you have a hard cap hit. So Vancouver isn't a small market. They don't have money issues. They're not Columbus. Those arguments just make me laugh. Um, this is an absolute steal. And Jason Dickinson's not terrible either. I'm really confused on why Vancouver did this because an interview the GM did, I forgot his name. He said they see they see Riley Stillman as a third pairing defenseman. You don't trade a second round pick and a player for a third pairing defenseman. Probably just switch the two players. You just probably swap the two players. Yeah. So when it comes to Riley Stillman, um, I think that there's a lot of people out there, especially uh, Vancouver Canucks Twitter, who think he's a lot better than he is. Uh, Riley Stillman had a very difficult season last year and has never necessarily done anything to show that he's really all that good in terms of being an NHL caliber defenseman over his entire career since he got drafted. I don't really know if he's done anything to say, this guy is genuinely good enough to be an NHL caliber defenseman. Um, when it comes to how he actually plays, uh, he chases physicality a lot. Sometimes finds him out of position. Uh, his hits are big, but sometimes they aren't actually good in terms of improving what the team wants to do. And Jason Dickinson is fine. Riley Stillman is also fine. I don't think that there's any level of change in quality in terms of these players. One's a defenseman, one's a forward, and when it comes to the Blackhawks, the competition they had in terms of left defensemen is massive. They have Alex Vlasic, Jake McCabe, Isaac Phillips, Jack Johnson, Jakob Galvis, Caleb Jones, and I haven't even mentioned Nicholas Bodan yet. That's a lot of players. I just named six guys who will likely play games for the Hawks this year, and there's plenty other players who won't play games for the Hawks this year that I also I didn't mention. But there's already six guys there who are left-shot defensemen. Riley Stillman didn't have a place on this team, and to get a second-round pick for him to help the Canucks save $1.3 million and basically change nothing in terms of the quality of the players that they acquired or got rid of, it's a heist. It's simple heist. And it's really confusing that I believe their GM is Jim Rutherford. No, it's not. Don't they have Jim Rutherford in their organization? He's the... Like hockey ops guy. Hockey I think ops Patrick guy. Alvin well, is their GM. Was that Patrick Alvin? Patrick Alvin, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Alvin. That's his name. Yeah. Well, um, anything where uh, Jim Rutherford is trading away draft picks is not a shock to me, to be honest. Yeah. Any thoughts, Wally? Uh, I mean, you guys kind of covered it, but like Stillman and uh, Dickinson are basically a wash, in my opinion. Um, I mean, you're taking on 1.3 million, but what does that matter to this team? And you get a second round pick. I think that's a good trade. And we don't have to watch Buddy Robinson play for the Blackhawks for a little bit at least. Oh, yes. So that's a Thank you for bringing so. up that detail, the fact that the Blackhawks acquired. Because we did have a logjam at defense, not just left defense, but defense as a whole. Obviously, there's some injuries that we're dealing with, but there was still a logjam there. Ryan Stillman didn't really fit with this team anymore, and we were lacking forwards as seen by the fact that Buddy Robinson almost made this roster. Yep. 
So the fact that we were able to kill, um, I would say kill five birds with one stone by making this trade. That's a good deal. Yeah, it solves all of, it solves a lot of problems. And hopefully this also opens up more space for guys like Isaac Phillips to get playing time in the NHL as well. Because that'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we're discussing defensemen, uh, I also want to mention uh, another guy who the Blackhawks have. Um, Philip Bruce is a guy that they signed, uh, was an undrafted player, I believe. Maybe he was drafted by one team, but never signed with them. Uh, someone check me on that if that ever happened. I don't know. He was not drafted. He was never drafted. Well, he was in the SHL last year. Um, I believe last year he was playing for uh, Sheleftia. And um, he still has a contract with Sheleftia. And he made the NHL team, it appears, and I'm going to pass this over to Wally so he can explain a little bit more about what exactly is going on and why Philip Bruce is probably not going to be playing in Rockford this year. Yeah, so he'll probably make, I'd imagine he'll make the Blackhawks roster. Basically, there's this deal with Sheleftia where if he gets sent down, they can effectively claim him back. If they wanted to, Bruce doesn't really have much of a say. So if he gets sent down to Rockford, he'll probably just go to the SHL, um, which is unfortunate, but um, it seems like that might be what happens. So I, I think he probably stays with the Blackhawks for most of the season. So, so the hope is that, because I thought that with Philip Bruce in this preseason, he was decent. I didn't really see anything like amazing, but I thought that there was nothing catastrophic there. So hopefully... As more games come in, he's able to be a capable enough defenseman in the NHL. And hopefully, you know, him making the team isn't just because he has to or else he's has to be loaned or else he's going to get loaned back. Hopefully he proves his worth in the NHL. Any thoughts on how like Philip Bruce played in the preseason and if this is a good decision to like keep him there? Well, seeing him in person play on the final preseason game, he did have some costly turnovers in the defensive zone. In my opinion, is he ready to be a full-time NHLer? No, definitely not. Should he be in Rockford with this contract situation where he would go back to the SHL? It could help him more if he was to be sent down. And if he goes to the SHL, he could develop in more of a men's league at that point. But it's not the same st- style of hockey over in the SHL versus in um, if he went to the Rockford Ice Hogs, for instance. But Roos, I think, will probably be one of those type of defensemen that gets scratched every other night and just be thrown in just because they kind of have to. Okay, so let me ask you this about Roos. If he goes to the SHO, do we just lose him completely? Is no. He's still with us? No, I don't. Okay. We, still have it, we still have him under contract. Philip Roos has a two-year contract with the Blackhawks, and they would get to claim him. They would claim him on a loan, so he would be loaned back to them for the year, and that would be essentially what happens there. Last year, Philip Roos played the entire year in the SHL and didn't put up a ton of points, but it was his first ever full-time year in the SHL. Previous two years, he played full-time in the Elsvenskan, which is the second division in Sweden. So, I don't know what would be the best... If if this contract situation didn't exist, I would really prefer him to be in the AHL. 
But right, if the right. AHL isn't an option, would you rather him be like, you know, kind of a forgotten NHLer who probably isn't actually going to develop much if he's just kind of stuck there, like stuck on the bench, or go back to the SHL? I would just say go back to the SHL. I think it will be smart to let him go back to the SHL because he'll get the playing time on ice to develop more his defensive game. I'm going to be the odd one here. I'm going to say I would rather keep him in the NHL because I think the thing with him is he needs to get used to the smaller ice surface. Ice surface and um, that is certainly like a good argument. That and, That's cer- yeah. certainly a good argument mm-hmm. to be made. Yeah, and you know, the def- for, for defensemen especially, the transition for between larger and smaller ice, considering all the, you know, just the way that they play the game, what they're expected and required to do, that difference in ice size is a massive deal in terms of, you know, performing your responsibilities. However, is it the necessarily the best thing in the world for him to be learning in the NHL? No, obviously not. Hopefully, hopefully there's chances for him to be in the AHL this year. Hopefully him getting sent down doesn't just mean he's going to get automatically loaned back to the back to Shaleftia. I hope that's not the case. He, he said himself that he wants to go to Rockford if he got sent down. Yeah, that so, is true. So it's his decision whether he goes to... It's not his decision, decision, but okay. it, that, that, is what he that, would, that is what he would prefer. So maybe maybe the his SHL team will be... Um, what's the word? like? Maybe we will think about his values and not claim him if that's what he wants to do hopefully if we do in do in fact send him down Mm -hmm. beyond that let's discuss a couple of the other roster notes that we have um uh so far in terms of players um so we have some injuries uh the majority of them are defenseman injuries and i want to discuss um all four so the first one is um jake mccabe so he was originally listed as out for 10 to 12 weeks but that seems to appear like it's edging more and more closer to be less and less time actually out. Yeah, um, McCabe had the surgery back in July, and I believe the second day of training camp, he spoke with the media saying he's projected to probably be back in the next, and probably within the first two weeks of the NHL season because of the timetable from his uh, back surgery and with him now being announced that he will be traveling with the team on the road trip to start the season so the Colorado Vegas and San Jose trip it could be meaning we could see him even sooner I have a feeling yeah and that would obviously be the hope Uh, Jake McCabe is obviously an important part of this team Uh, last year wasn't great for him but the hope is that this year he'll be able to turn it around uh, and have a much better season. Um, in terms of other defensemen who have some uh, injury problems, another one is Caleb Jones. Uh, so Caleb Jones left the game that we played uh, about um, a week and a half-ish ago against Milwaukee. He left that game early. No, it was in Milwaukee against the Wild. <laughs> against Milwaukee. Uh, no, um, no. The the Hawks played that game in Milwaukee. He left that game early in what was a, like a shoulder injury. Um, 
we haven't seen him in the preseason since. Uh, are there any updates that we've seen from about Caleb Jones in terms of his availability before the first regular season game? Seen anything new on Caleb Jones really, but it's like something that's it's interesting to see what happened because a lot of people didn't even notice Caleb Jones got injured until a replay came up and he went to the uh Hawks locker room in Milwaukee and ever since then we really haven't seen Caleb Jones back. I believe he's listed as day today, but don't be surprised if he misses like the first or maybe the second game. Um, but I wouldn't expect it to be too long of an injury, so. Yeah. Um, hope is that he can be back soon. Um, I think we have, we have covered his position, but there's still, you know, not something that you necessarily want. Um, next defenseman that we have, uh, another guy with an injury, uh, Ian Mitchell, who has yet to feature in this preseason because he's been out with a wrist injury that when it first occurred, he was scheduled to be out for about six weeks. Uh, that was around two to three weeks ago, so there's still probably more time that he's going to be out. Um, this is difficult for Mitchell because it kind of hurts most of his chances to be significantly in the NHL this year, which I know was a goal for him, obviously, after being mostly in Rockford last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ian Mitchell? Uh, John, what are your thoughts on like Ian Mitchell's, you know, uh, standing in terms of what his opportunities in the NHL might be? Um, I don't think... Even before the injury, I don't think they were high. I think, you know, it's tough because as a Rockford Ice Hogs employee, he's a great guy, and he might not be the best defenseman in the entire world. But now that I'm up and I'm like interacting with the, some of these players, it just makes it tough because I just like all of them now. Like I like the like I liked Curtis Gabriel, and I didn't know who that was until last year. And Curtis Gabriel just announced his retirement as well. Yeah, that sucks. Um, but then in terms of other injuries, uh, Connor Murphy had a small uh, he, he had a small day-to-day back injury. Um, I believe he's back from that, though. He was still out for the final preseason game, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's probably good to okay. go for opening night. All right. And then uh, the other injury that we have is uh, Boris Kachuk. Um, Kachuk was another guy who was sort of near the bottom of the roster, sort of a bottom six type player. Uh, he got hurt in one of the preseason games, and he's supposed to be out for about four to six weeks with a left ankle sprain. Um, I still think that with him, when he's healthy, he'll be back in the NHL. But after last year, he will need to show more to stay in the NHL consistently because while Taylor Radish, who was in that Hagel trade, kind of had a great coming to Chicago, Kachuk had less so, and I think we need to see more from him. Yeah, he, he was not great, but I think he'll, like you said, I think he'll probably still have a spot when he comes back. He just needs to show that he can play every single day and be effective in that fourth line role, so. Yeah. That's going to be it for this on this off-season review of the Hockey Podcast, our first episode. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. We will be going through the entire preseason, all six games, and naming preseason MVPs, giving some predictions for the season ahead, including the regular season games we have coming forward. 
But thanks for joining me as always, Wally. Let's go, Hawks. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's go, Hawks. And Nick. You for a long one, but go, Hawks. Hell yeah. And John. Oh, bye. That was us for the Hockey Podcast, and we will see you next time. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock and Elf Meditation by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.